Orphan Black, the next chapter, is back for season two, and it's bigger than ever. The official continuation of the hit TV show stars Emmy Award-winning actress Tatiana Maslany as all of the clones. And this season, she's joined by original TV show cast members Jordan Gavaris as Felix, Evelyn Brochu as Delphine, and Christian Brune as Donnie. Season two picks up where season one left off with, spoiler alert, the secret of the clones finally exposed to the general public. Hundreds of previously unaware clones grapple with the news that they are part of a massive military science experiment. Meanwhile, anti-clone protesters fight to have the clones' rights restricted. Caught in the middle, the Sestras want peace, and when an unforeseen threat turns their world upside down, they must join forces with former enemies to protect the ones they love. Orphan Black, the next chapter, is available right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to listen and subscribe, or visit realm.fm for more information. Can I move this tree? Oh, God, you're supposed to laugh. Chill out, everybody. Hi! Welcome to the 2016 Sundance Film Festival. Thank you for coming to this. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. More coffee? People need more coffee? <laughs> Everything's moving slow on a Sunday. Thanks for coming out. Um, Sundance TV is a short film storytelling panel. I'm Mike Plant. I'm a short film programmer at Sundance. I've been here since 2002. Uh, there's 10 short film program programmers because we get 8,700 submissions every year, and that's 8700. It is as absurd as it sounds. Uh, so we start watching every year in May, and we finish up in November. So each one of us watches about 1,500 shorts, and then we show 72. So those 72 are really good. So um, we have three filmmakers today, and uh, we'll talk a little bit, and we'll have time at the end for a few questions. Uh, on the end is Frankie Shaw. Her film this year, she had a film last year called Smilf, which won actually Best U.S. Fiction Short here. Yes. And actually, just real quick, speaking about that one, is that one online, or can people watch it anywhere? They, can, they cannot watch okay. it anywhere, but I could personally email you a link. Okay. So, yeah. Later. <laughs> Her film this year is called Too Legit, and uh, the one-liner is, Too Legit is about a young woman who, after becoming pregnant from sexual assault on campus, goes on a journey to find out if the rape was legitimate, inspired by the statements of Senator Todd Aiken, a man who is not a very smart man. Uh, and then next her is Kimberly Sherman, who's been to the fest a few times as a producer, right? Yes, yes. yeah, a few yeah. times. Uh, and she's directed a short film that's in the festival this year called Dog Walker, which is a dark comedy adventure of a young dog, dog walker after the unexpected death of one of her favorite clients. Okay, think about that a minute. Yes, it's a dead dog. It's still funny. Uh, and next to me is uh, director and writer Calvin Lee Reader. He's been here a few times. Five times? <laughs> he doesn't remember how many times. No, uh, twice, three times with shorts. And twice with features, The Oregonian and The Rambler. And he's returning this year with a short film called The Procedure. It's in the Midnight Shorts program. And Assuming Man, is it unassuming? Did I write that wrong? Yeah, it's unassuming. Is he unassuming? An unassuming man is forced to endure a strange experiment. That one's very funny, too. So, uh, the easiest question to ask everybody is just where you got the idea. And Frankie, go ahead. Okay, so a couple years ago, uh, Senator Todd Aiken, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, so he said on live television uh, that if a woman is raped and it's a legitimate rape and then she is impregnated, the body has a way of knowing that it's from a rape and the, bo and, you know, the woman's body would 
get rid of the fetus. Therefore, abortions are not necessary, you know, for rape, from rape. And so um, I saw that and just thought it was so nuts and was inspired. I don't know, it just sort of, and then I just wrote the short pretty soon after that. So, yeah. And did you, how long were you writing in order to make sure, because since it's uh, not just a touchy subject, but satire is just so difficult. Right, so I wrote it, and it was definitely more joke-heavy than what we see. Um, I think a lot of the fine-tuning actually just came once we were on set and feeling it out actually during rehearsal. Um, But I wrote it a couple years ago and sort of just put it away and forgot about it. Um, and actually applied to the AFI Women's Directing Lab with it um, and didn't get in. And then, you know, a few years later, I have a really good friend, and she wanted to read some stuff, and I sent it to her, and she said, let's make it. Um, And that was, we just shot in October. So we shot October 17th, 18th, and 19th, and then we edited for 10 days, and then we submitted. So it was a really fast turnaround. Um, so So once my friend had asked, um, or suggested we make we may make it. Um, I was constantly reworking it and rewriting it. Um, so there was a significant change, I would say, from the first draft to then the final shooting script. Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm a, <laughs> uh, I'm like a big improviser. Like I'm a big fan of getting you know to set and just letting the actors play. And none of the actors wanted to veer away from the script. They were very intent on sticking. So. So we fine-tuned it, like, in the cut. But actually, I would say that mostly all of it was scripted. So, yeah. And Kim, how did, are you obsessed with dog walkers? I'm not. Um, (laughs) I, this was, my story is based on an urban legend. um, And I heard it at a party. Um, Somebody was telling me about a young woman who uh, was mugged while trying to transport the body of one of her favorite clients' beloved pets. And I thought... It was incredibly funny. I, it's, and I, I thought it would be a perfect short film, and I, I tried so hard to find, because it, I didn't know at first that it was an urban legend, and I thought, I was told from this person at this party, like, no, my friend knows this person that this happened to, which <laughs> should clue you in right away. It's an urban legend, but I bought it, and so I uh, immediately tried to find the woman that this happened to, and my friend's friend said, oh, I guess I don't actually know this person. And then I looked, I used the internet to find out that it happened in every city ever. And like, you know, it's the way you do with urban legends. So, um, but then I, I really liked the idea of um, uh, this person kind of being okay with it. Like what happens when they realize, I don't want to give away the end of my movie though, but a lot of the humor comes from uh maybe the end of the film and like <laughs> really what happens to this poor person as she's trying to just be a good dog walker and, and really in this difficult circumstance of finding this awesome dead dog. <laughs> and what uh, same sort of follow-up, like did you stick to a script? Did you have it all sort of planned out? How much did you change? Because you actually do a lot without dialogue in the film. Yeah, um, I think that my script was a lot more dialogue heavy when I wrote it. I, um, I really... Uh, I think I spelled out way too much on the page at first, and then I, I had time because we, we actually pushed, and I, I, got, I had time to like look back at my script and realize like 
this is not how I am as a human being. I don't tell everyone everything that's going on in my head all the time. So maybe I should like make it look like real people for a second. And I took out a lot of the dialogue and then we got on set and my cast are so funny and emotive and incredible. And it was like, I, I don't know, I did a good job casting. So they really just didn't need as much dialogue. And we really worked together. I mean, they stuck to the dialogue when it was important. There were certain lines that are important for plot, but they, they made them their own. And it was wonderful to work with them on that front. And Calvin, for the procedure, it's only three minutes, but you pack a lot of punch in this three minutes. Has anyone Thanks. seen the procedure yet? Yes, see, and he's smiling. Yep, and they're smiling. So um, and you, you do have one line of dialogue, but so how did the idea for the plot, which is hard to say without giving away, but let's say a man is kidnapped and tied down and this really horrible thing happens, but it's funny. You know, I don't know exactly where any idea comes from, but I do like to kind of start with cliches that you're used to. You know, so somebody gets captured, gets a dart in the neck, you know, that, that old thing. And then, and then he's held captive. And then uh, I, I was just sitting around with my girlfriend, and I just pitched her on this really disgusting idea. And she was, um, she was like, appalled, but she couldn't stop laughing about it. So, <laughs> so then, like, I wrote it, and then she laughed more. And I was like, cool. But it's kind of a dangerous movie to make because there's, like, this stunt. And um, so it took a while to find the producer to make it. And then what did that script look like? Because there's like one line of dialogue and there's a sign. And otherwise, it's just action. Yeah, it's just a two-page script. And um, yeah, just two pages of, of exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and did like not having dialogue, to ha having something like where there's a stunt that's complicated and a few things happen, did that actually make it easier to just say, this is the script and we're doing it and all you concentrate on is just fulfilling those two pages? Or is there something you're doing like, oh, that would be funny, and you threw it in while you were filming? No, no, it was right. It was by the book. I mean, it's it, we had one day to do it, and um, it, there was no fucking around. It was just like shot list this exact because it it's kind of a precise thing. Yeah. It has to be exactly, otherwise it won't be funny. So it was just yeah, right, right by the numbers. But it was it was stressful because like we didn't have insurance, and if that went wrong, I'd go right to jail. So. <laughs> It all worked out. <laughs> uh, so Frankie now they've had two with Smilf last year. So back to back. Good job. <laughs> uh, how were you working with pacing in a short runtime? Like when you were thinking of these ideas, you're like, oh, is it it's gonna be ten minutes? Like at what point do you is it in the script or in the filming and in the editing that you're like, this needs to be this long and how are we gonna get there? Um, so last year's uh, short was just a scene from a pilot I had written. So there was no real, you know, I had no intention of it being a short or going to festival. So I wasn't thinking about it. And then it just sort of, it was a concise scene, beginning, middle, end. So it sort of just took care of itself. And it was short and it was one room. And I paid out of pocket and it was me and my friends, you know. This year, um, the script was 20, almost 25 pages. Um, and we only had three days. Um, and then, so what ended up happening is in the edit, we just kept taking out scenes, you know? There's a lot, there's, you know, maybe three or four scenes that don't, are not in, you know, what that we're That you actually here, filmed. That we filmed, yeah. Um, and so, I, cause, you know, I mean, who really wants to watch like a 25 minute short film? And so, we just kept cutting, 
<laughs> we just kept cutting, cutting it down, and um, yeah. What did, what did it end up at now? It's with credits, uh, sixteen thirty. So. And you feel like you have a good arc, like you're introducing characters and you have a lot of things happen and a resolution. I do, yeah. I don't know if we could cut any more. I, you know, I watch it and I'm like, maybe we could go back in. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I, I do feel like we do. And did you feel the runtime while you were watching it with strangers and, and the screening, the public Yeah, screening? it felt like they were with us. You know, we premiered yesterday. Um, and because we just filmed this a couple months ago, I hadn't really tested it or shown it to anyone um, and they were with us, yeah. So it was great to see. And Kim, how did you feel? How did you work with pacing, especially because you have to have a lot of specific things happen at different places because she's moving through the city. Yeah, I I feel like the story was already so self-contained as a short film, and a lot of the pacing just came from. I mean, the way you would tell a friend a story—that's kind of how I thought of it. Um, I did write one scene at the beginning that didn't make sense or in it was also the first scene we shot in the day and it just everything went and we were dealing with dogs like you actually get to see her walking a dog which now you don't because we had to cut the scene out but um I I really just it, again like what Frankie was saying you you want to stay ahead of the audience and you want to stay um you so anytime something felt like it was not uh serving us and and not um not giving the audience the benefit of the doubt like you know knowing that intelligent people are going to be watching this film, we just cut it out, got rid of it. And, and any time we felt like there was too much exposition or too much internal description going on, we just got rid of it. So it was a more uh, patient film. But you also felt like you also shot a lot of stuff that you didn't use? We shot one scene that we didn't use. And then there's some... not Yeah, really, the edit was pretty well... I mean, it, when we went to assembly, the film really was there already and, and there was one scene that was glaringly obvious that it didn't belong and um, it really slowed things down and it didn't get us to the moment that we knew audiences really wanted to get to quickly so um, in helping the audience get there and staying with them we just got rid of it and Calvin again the three minutes it always sounds three minutes is we tell people the on average are the fiction shorts that we show are between 10 and 12 minutes um, but with three minutes, it might even be harder because you've got to introduce so many plot points and make sure people know what's going on. I don't know. I mean, it, this the idea was three minutes. It was just yeah. like it was... I actually wished it was closer to two. Um, <laughs> and then did you film a lot in order to get that? No, I mean, I just... I had it all planned. I knew, like, lens size and placement and all that. I just... I Military precision because nothing could fail because if one thing went wrong with this little piece... I couldn't like Kim was describing. I couldn't. I couldn't do that because the thing wouldn't work. So I just had to do a lot of homework on it, and 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 then it worked out. And, yeah. and then with the stunt, did you have to give yourself a lot of? Did you they take a day or was that? No, I mean we did the whole thing in one day, um, and it, we just kind of worked the stunt into what I would describe as coverage because it was like basically in one room. So we kind of went wide on the eighteen and then got in close, and then and then it was stunt time. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was stressful. And then when you were editing, was it just you and an editor, or did you bring anybody else in just to make sure it was working? No, it was just me and my editor, Buzz, and we, we worked together pretty good. And, and he, he wasn't on set, but just watching the raw footage, we were crying because it was so funny. <laughs> it was like, it was, I swear the raw footage is way funnier than the movie. <laughs> but I, I don't want to know how to submit it, but like if you could just sit there and watch it, you'd, you'd see what I was saying. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about working with actors. Frankie, you've, you've making a making a living as an actress. Does that make it easier or just different directing other actors? I think it makes it a lot easier, you know. Um, but everyone's different, you know. So one of my actors like couldn't take notes publicly, and I learned that on the first day. She, you know, I would try to give her a note, and she'd be like, "Okay, okay, I get it." And then if I pulled her aside, and I'm like, so this, this is what I'm looking for. Like, she was a lot more receptive. Another actor would try to give my other actor notes. I mean, you know, you never know what you're going to get with us actors. And, you know, and I actually, one of the scenes we cut, we cut because I put my son in it, and he's a terrible actor. Um, so he got, you know... Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, he t- did he take it well, or is he hopefully too he was, young? Basically, he's like, Mom, you're paying me, right? Um, I was like, I'll give you 20 bucks. And then after I told him I cut it, he's like, you still owe me 20 because I hadn't paid him yet. <laughs> he's fine. Um, and then dealing with, with sensitive subjects and satire, how much um, does it take longer to sort of prepare? So or? I'm a huge fan of rehearsal, you know, mm-hmm. because as an actor, when I don't have it, I feel like the project suffers. So it was so incredible that these very busy actors who were doing this short film for free... Uh, I only knew one of the actors, so it was all like cold offers through agents, um, which seems so ridiculous that I got this amazing cast. Um, but so I insisted on rehearsals, and they would come over, and we would, you know, I would I couldn't get them all together, so I would play the other part with right. the actor, um, and we'd like block it out, and um, mm-hmm. sort of I would then rewrite from those rehearsals. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really important, especially, you know, Nate Cordry has this long monologue. And when he first came in, it was very broad and like, you know, um, just sort of like a big, broad comedy. And then so we, I mean, he's such an incredible actor and very quickly we got it like, oh no, you really, you really feel victimized, you know, but you feel ri- victimized by rape culture. And, and so, um, yeah, it was really important, especially because these three days we were shooting so many pages and when you're working with like high profile, like Zoe had to go to a Calvin Klein event at 4.30 one day, you know, we had like almost half a day with her. Um, it's just stuff like that kept coming up. So, yeah. And Kim, how did you, especially working as a producer and having one type of experience with actors, how was it working with actors as a director? It was a lot more fun. Um, working with actors as a producer is sometimes not very fun. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Sarah Sarah's a good friend, and um, I, we knew that we, we wanted to work on something together before. And um, when I told her this idea, she loved it. And um, and kind of rehearsal for us was really just hanging out and talking about the film and the idea and the character. And then um, and Keith too, again a friend that I had worked with as a producer before and really loved him and and uh in both cases they're just really good natured and and uh so funny and um a lot of our rehearsal time was like I was also the costumer on my film and so we just went shopping together (laughs) to try to find (laughs) costumes and talked about the characters and rode the train around Chicago together um but even just that helped just like hanging out yeah just hanging out it was it was great and and also um talking to my cast about what maybe their concerns might be about because it because in mine it, it, it's it's a script that could go way too cute or you know and it was like there was a balance to hit and um, and so it was fun to collaborate with them on like their characters and how we could avoid that too too cute like it has to be a little cute but not too cute <laughs> not too cute 
I just want to point out that I worked with you twice as an actor when you were a producer, so what wasn't fun about that? Uh, <laughs> Calvin is always the exception to the rule. Calvin's, Calvin's fun. Thank you. It's because you don't want to be an actor, so it's easier. So, uh, especially with your two features in The Short You Make, Calvin, you've yeah. actually worked with a, a variety of actors, with some very well-known actors and that have worked for so long that yeah. are coming in and being almost like a favor to some amazing character actors who work for a living, to uh, people that you work with all the time in every single film. Yeah. Do you have to treat actors differently, or do you sort of have a style that works just in discussing to make sure you get the right the right vibe in the story. Well, what Frankie was saying, I do always. Like, I don't, I don't test the water. I just pull them aside and give them a note because I don't want to have that learning curve because no one's ever against pulling them aside. No one's ever like, give me that note in front of everybody. <laughs> so I would rather just, like, not know if they have that sensitivity because it's totally true. They'll flip on you or they'll just be unresponsive. Yeah. And some people are way more professional than me, and I don't want to, like, seem disrespectful. You know, so I'm just like... Yeah. But then on the other hand, like, I... I like line readings. Like, if a director's like, can't, I'm like, just tell me how you want me to say it, you know? Like, that's fine. So it's sort of like, I feel... But you, if you, you have to tell me that. Right, right, right. Like, I wouldn't just... You wouldn't know that. Yeah, because you'd be really mad at me, potentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did, I made that mistake. It was actually so humbling, because for me as an actor, I'm just like, what, like, it's, it's not as, I don't feel as self-conscious, you know? And so... Um, I definitely made that mistake on this one a lot. So yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't test those waters anymore. Yeah. I just I just kind of pop out a, in in there and give somebody a note. And, and you'll have a lot of character actors that are in like two scenes and they yeah. kill it. But is that a different type of working relationship? Definitely. They don't necessarily. Um, they don't know like simple directions like like open up to camera. They won't know what that means. So I'll just kind of like. I'll just kind of get in there with them a little bit tighter and make sure we get what we need. A lot of time with the character actor, I'm playing the camera just as much because I'd like to get really great faces and I want to get the most interesting angle. And um, then it doesn't matter so much how good their performance is, quite honestly. But they're they're picked for an atmosphere. Yeah. And and they're good at their lines, but it's they got two scenes. Yeah, they can't be bad, but like yep. you know, it doesn't. Yeah. Different thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go to questions next. Let me just ask each of you. Um, Calvin, like, so you, you did a lot of shorts, and then you made two features. Was, what kind of pleasure was it, or why did you go back to making another short after making two features? Um, you know, I'm still making features. It just, it just takes so long. So, like, um, I'm in the middle of that stuff, so it just takes forever. So we just made some short films to, to pass the time and do something, and it was, it was fun. Yeah. And, Kim, why, why not try to blow this out into a feature? What was... A, what was pleasurable about doing a short instead? Uh, I, I really just felt it was the right length for, for the story. I mean, it, it really, I wanted it to feel like a story that you would tell people at a party, which is how I heard it, and which I think is the, the nature of the story. And, and I also just, I haven't directed in a very, very long time, and I, I wanted that, I wanted to use those muscles a little bit, too. Do you feel like it was less pressure then? It was a little less pressure, and, and you know, we used, like, a, crowdfunding we did fractured atlas for ours so it wasn't like i i didn't have to pay people's money back i didn't have to you know i could do something that was for me and the people making the film and and really hope that i told a story that people would like and and want to see and and let that be the pressure of of just making art instead of um really all the business aspect of it and frankie because you've worked on so many features and shorts what about making two shorts in a row did you like um 
Well, I feel like when you have like a long satire, it can get pretty exhausting, you know. And so that I, that's I couldn't see this, you know, being a feature. Um, and also, I'm just I'm st I'm learning. It's a process, and I feel like this one I'm a lot more confident to go make a feature. But I wasn't there before this. Okay, we can take some questions. Oh, the first one's always so hard. Come on. There you go. How did you guys finance a short? Which, in our heads, like, oh, that'll be easy, but not necessarily. Um, yeah, uh, so we went out to a feature financiers and asked them for five grand donations. So we had about maybe five. And then... Um, uh, just a lawyer that I knew who believed in this topic and discussing this issue gave us money, and then we needed a little bit more. And so I just posted to my friends on Facebook, and I said, we need some finishing funds. And then some uh, man I went to high school with reached out, who I hadn't seen since high school, and said, how much do you need? And I said, $7,000, and he just wrote me the check. So... Yeah. Magic. <laughs> it was pretty incredible, the generosity. Like, I'm, yeah, it's, I pretty much can't believe it. It's a lot of money. Kim, how did you finance it? Um, mine was, um, my, I, I come from a really supportive film community in, in Columbia, Missouri. And so I've had um, the same people kind of give to um, a lot of my projects, even features. And um, when I, when I decided I wanted to make a short, I, I was actually really overwhelmed by how many people from my community were like, take some money, like go make this, we really want you to do this, it's very exciting. Um, and that really did, it translated into Fractured Atlas too, because I, I love Kickstarter, I love, you know, like there's so many different ways to do it. And in this case, I felt like um, I personally don't have time to make the gifts that go out to people and I knew I wouldn't do it. So um, it was easier to offer a tax exempt thing. Um, so that made sense for me. And Calvin, you were actually inventive. You did three shorts on one Kickstarter? Yeah. And was that easier, or how did that work? I mean, for people to give money. I don't know. We, you know, we kept the, you know, we made them all for, like, 11 Gs, so it happened really quickly. Um, it, we, we, it, was, it was easy. I tried not to set my sights too high, and I, it wasn't stressful to raise that amount at all. Um, so, yeah. What were some of the benefits? Um, Kickstarter benefits. My... My mother is a is a psychic, so um, you can you can you could you could talk to her if you wanted. Um, uh, no, that's real. No, that's like if somebody gave you money, they could get a reading from your mom. That's true. Um, I don't know. Why is like no that. one laughing? I guess people really want to do that. I try okay. to give away props from my old films that I have, like in my closet. My girlfriend like wants to not be in the house anymore. <laughs> you no. wrote songs for people for one of your Kickstarters. I, I have that to write great. a bunch of songs when I get home. I gotta write a freaking album when I get home. <laughs> right there. We were in the yesterday. Sorry, I, I realize we do have a microphone, but I'll just repeat it this time. There's a critical moment in Dog, whack, dog Walker, Dog <laughs> Wagger. <laughs> then, uh, and that everybody sort of screamed. What did they do in the crowd? Gasp, a giant gasp. And was that intended, and how did it feel? Yeah, uh, I, it was, it, in, the, in writing the script, and in, you know, I, I did want that impact, and obviously in making the film, you think about how to make that moment impactful. Um, but 
hearing it, being in the audience, and Frankie and I are in the same program, and, and I, I think hers, I mean, hers got great reactions too. It was incredible to be in that audience with everyone because everybody was so into the films and they were so expressive, and it's really an overwhelming feeling to finally see it with a big audience. And I mean, the, the little jokes up to that moment played well and it, it, it's just uh, I've been glowing all day because it was like and my my film team almost my entire crew came to Sundance for this short and uh, which was incredible but we were all just like cracking up to tears because of the reaction after that and you just hear people mumbling as well it's a great feeling yeah there you, go. you can speak into that microphone with your question there you go uh, so as far as the post-production process um, you know Editing a feature has to be really concise, or excuse me, a short has to be really concise. So I was curious what you found the most challenging about actually being able to whittle your feature down to the length it needed to be. Uh, we had to get rid of some of my favorite jokes, so that was hard. Um, there was a moment, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but in the pediatrician's office when Clark Gregg finds out uh, that Zoe's pregnant, and he raises his hands up, and he's like, praise be, and it's just like, he's just so funny, and and it was just like too broad, you know, but like it had us laughing every time, so just like the, the big joke moments that are gone is probably, yeah, the hardest. Yeah. Did you guys all work with editors? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Calvin and I were just talking about this, like some of our friends are really great directors and editors and they um, they can somehow manage a feature and not have not have to have that time to step away from it for a second and mm -hmm. and there's different reasons to when you're a director to work with an editor but for me it really is that like uh, I love that second opinion I love seeing someone else's interpretation of it and also as a director I found that like I'm really good at instinctually feeling when something's not right and to see someone else put it together in their own way and to know like oh that's not right so to see what didn't work and put it to the work with it the way that it, it should work but also mm -hmm. to give yourself that time to kind of uh take a breath for a minute after shooting it to have have the assembly ready to go for you and um, and work out issues in a way like my I'm I can edit but I'm not an editor and to have someone else's um, brain work that way is pretty fantastic for me as a director. Yeah, me too. It's got to be you got to be patient with your editor though, like because you'll you kind of freak out when something's not right, and you got to learn to not like because then then you might get on the wrong page. <laughs> did any of you work with your editors on the set? Did did you have your editors on the set? I did. Um, she would come up to me sometimes and suggest things, you know, like, um, more we didn't have a scripty, so she sort of was, like, looking for continuity issues. Um, yeah, and it was our first time, we had met only in a meeting before I had hired her, so it was also feeling out the relationship, like, how much could she, did she feel comfortable? Um, but I was really, really grateful to have her there. Yeah. And I didn't on this film, but I, I did shoot a film in December that I, I had my editor on set. Um, and he, it, it was very valuable. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have done it for a dog walker, but for my new film, I, uh, I learned so much. And I, I'm, I tend to have minimal coverage. Um, and so it was nice to have the editor 
kind of advising on what they would need to to help out? I didn't have it on this one, but like her, I, I try to have him as much as possible, but he was very much a part of the pre-production, and I shoot maximum coverage, so like, it's the opposite there. Um, totally, yeah, and we just discuss it, and like, I would text him during the day or whatever, show him, because with the telephones now, you just take a picture and send it to him? Like, in the old days, you couldn't do that. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Uh, there and then there. Go ahead. I feel like we're on the editor track. It's kind of touching on that but um what you guys said that you really had to trim it down like what led to the decision to drop scenes like what it, I, I know that you mentioned it was too slow you mentioned that you felt like the performance was just too broad but like what are some other things that came up yeah like, for me um my opening scene I had two scenes that could have worked as opening scenes and I felt um that the first scene that and I can tell you it's a, it's a scene where the scene that didn't make it into the film is, is watching um, Sarah actually walk a dog, and then she's, she's getting yelled at by a neighbor for letting the dog poop in the neighbor's yard, and then she accidentally smears poop on her head, and then it cuts to the train. Um, and it, it, on paper, was so funny, and I loved it, and, and I had this edit in mind, and, um, but then it just didn't... When we actually shot it, it didn't work, and the dog was a mess, and... Um, the poop didn't look real, and so in the edit room, it was, A, it wasn't as strong. It wasn't a bad scene. It just was not as strong as everything else, and then tonally, it didn't open the film in the way that I wanted it to. It was too much too soon. It was too much comedy right away, and I did want it to feel a little bit more psychological for the character. Um, so I'm discovering that I overwrite, you know, and especially leading up to the first day I'm like overwriting and writing and writing you know and coming to set and giving the actors new pages and then so what I in the edit it was like what's essential to the story and so everything else really had to go um, so what's going to push the story to the next scene um, and so that was really what was like the guiding yeah like yeah force Uh, Kim, you mentioned uh, toning down your dialogue to kind of let the characters be real people or, or uh, play into the... I'm, I'm wondering, for the three of you on your projects, what you did to play into the believability or realness or relatability uh, with your characters and the story, um, either in the writing or direction or edit. Um, I mean, again, it's just like all about tone right so I said last night like the words coming out of their mouths were so absurd so then everything surrounding that had to be grounded so the way in which the style I kept saying it's like Friday night light style filmmaking it's like feel it fly on the wall we're just like capturing moments you know I really wanted to feel that um yeah so that was just like grounded 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 and whenever like a performance was too big or reaction especially like you know actually um, working with actors who don't typically do comedy um, was interesting because I think people think comedy is like about <gasps> big reaction. So like that was something to figure out too. It's like oh no no, no it's the actually it's the opposite. Don't do anything, you know. So yeah, the absurdity in your film is from the lines. Like the fact that like like Frankie's film has so many things that real people say, but it, and they're just they were saying it so like delivering it. And, but it was, it was making people crack up, but it's like, 
scary because people really say those things when when talking about rape culture and and putting blame on the victim in in cases of rape. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. um, for mine, it was more. Um, I had there's a little bit of a romance in my film, and I I just wanted to swing the tone to where it felt like a a believable chemistry, and I I don't feel like talking all the time. Like I I don't I don't. I, when I fall in love with someone, it's not all, all about witty banter all the time. Like, I, you know, and, and so when I wanted to see two people falling in love, I wanted it to, to f be emotive and for it to feel feel more than to be said. Um, and so I, I just always look for those moments where the um, the picture could be a little a, a more gentle way to to say what I was trying to say. Yeah, mine's like a comedy too, but it wouldn't be funny if the guy wasn't actually terrified. So like. Mm -hmm. He had it couldn't play like a Saturday Night Live skit or something like that. He had he couldn't be pretending. He had to have real terror, like real drama. So we just, you know, play it play it straight, and it, it'll be funnier that way. Like Frankie was saying. There's one shot where he actually has a tear come out. That's true. Yeah. Did he just cry? We got a single tear. <laughs> like Cindy Lauper in that video. What was that video? Time after time, a single tear. Oh, we've answered every question you've ever had. Yeah. There you go. Microphone. Um, what was your timeline from the genesis of the idea to actually writing the script, from writing the script to deciding, hey, we're going to make this, let's do this, and then from that point, getting into production? Um, yeah, so like I wrote it, and it's a weird movie, and people didn't want to do it with me, but they all thought it was funny. So I think it probably took about a year to find a producer that would like build this set and get this, and it sounds abstract, but it, it's a big, it's an uphill battle. And um, we finally found a guy to do it, and he got really excited, so then we did the Kickstarter, and then we were in production a month later. So I, I, probably a year, yeah. Um, I, I got my idea, like I said, at a party, and it was probably five years ago, and uh, I didn't, I, I produce a lot, and, um, and so, I didn't, for me, it was finding the space and the time to actually write the script and, and make it. So um, I probably, after I, I made a feature in uh, summer of 2014, and after that, um, it, was, it was a hard producing job. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to direct a film. <laughs> and I have this idea, and I, uh, I, I wrote it in October of 2014, and we shot it in March of 2015. And we, we really thought we were just going to, like, run away train. Like, I wrote it, let's shoot it, let's go. But... Um, I really wanted to work with Sarah and Sarah Hagen and Keith Polson, and uh, Sarah was av available um, in certain windows, and Keith was available in certain windows. So I really just wanted to wait, and so we waited till March, and then edited the rest of the year um, and submitted to Sundance, and here we are. I think I answered this a little bit, you know, uh, three years ago, but so we decided to shoot it in August, and then Zoe had only three days in October. Um, so we had to do it those three days. And then I actually reshot a scene uh, in December. And M Teresa, who's the other lead actress, was flying in from Australia at 7 a.m., uh, uh, like December 14th. And then on the 15th, Zoe was leaving for New York. So we only had that afternoon to reshoot. And we just made it work. They made it work. Did, did you take more time on the last year's short? Um, yeah, last year's short, I shot it in June. It was sort of a similar situation where my DP was pregnant, nine months pregnant, 
And Thomas Middleditch had one day that he could give me. And so we're like, we got to do this one day. And so that was June 1st. And then my DP was due, like, at the end of June. So she actually had someone, like, helping her, you know, and like an, an extra camera assistant. Um, and then we could really take our time in the edit because we didn't have to submit for a few months. Scheduling is, like, the hardest thing. Time for one more question. Okay, two more. Right here first and then behind you. Um, you say you overwrite for your films. So after the film's done and completed and you send it off, do you ever like realize you're like adding new scenes to it in your mind and thinking of like jokes or scenes like I should have added that? I'm reshooting in my mind. Okay, yeah. Or do I've, you guys just like shut it off? We then... have to shut it. It's too expensive. Like I want to go reshoot a yeah. scene. Uh Oh, every time I see it, it makes me so sad. But what I'm learning is this is like a common feeling among filmmakers. You think it's something that only you can see. Right, yeah. Or no, I think like other filmmakers are saying, oh, they always are like wanting to reshoot. Like after, like there's that feeling of like, wait, I could have done it better. So, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were dealing with a, the scenes that in my film that I wish I could reshoot, um, I... Um, I did overwrite, um, and then we—I mean—we were dealing with an actual moving train, and um, and the, the Chicago Film Office and the, the the CTA were so kind to us, but we still had limited time, and so for me it was more, what's the most impact I can get in the quickest amount of time, and I think a lot of my writing went out the window, <laughs> just from the logistics. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a problem with this film, but I've totally overwritten, I'm, and and yeah, you get self-conscious when you watch it. And you, and you want to cut it or reshoot it. Yeah, I forgot you have a train in your film. Yeah, a moving train. It was awesome. And is it, so is it still extras all around them, or do you have to we, deal with a real yeah, train? Yeah, I have never had great luck with, as a producer, I've never had great luck with extras, but we had this incredible, like, he was a PA, but then a, he became a casting associate on our film. He got, like, 100 extras, and there's a scene that's not in there where you actually see people's reaction to her a little bit more. Um... And he, I mean, he, yeah, he just got the, the greatest extras, and and the whole we had the we had to stop and like have people at the door, like please don't get on this train, like because it was active on the loop in Chicago, and people trying to get on the L to get to work and stuff. Oh, they must have been so angry. It was kind of fun. It was a little like. <laughs> I, I want to speak to that for a second. Is you know, uh, the Gina Davis Institute who does all these uh, studies about gender politics in film, and one of the things. Uh, that she discovered was that I think like white men make up 80% of the background characters. So I wrote the email out to my producers that for this film, 80% had to be minority and women. So uh, basically all of the extras you'll notice like are not white men. Just trying to even out the playing field a little bit, yeah. And you had last question right there. Uh, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you came to filmmaking, if you went to film school or by some other route. I, no, I was a construction worker. I have no school. I mean, I just decided I was going to make films, and it took a long time for anything to be watchable, that's for sure. <laughs> made really bad stuff for a really long time, and then, and then stuff just kind of started clicking after a lot of heartbreak. So, yeah, I was a construction worker. Yeah, I, I also didn't go to school. I... Um, I think I was working in a pizza restaurant, but I, I didn't know filmmaking was a job, and um, I didn't know that you 
had to go to school for it. Um, and I lived in a, like I said, I, I lived in a really supportive film community and people were really into film and they got a cable access channel and I, um, I got a bunch of friends together and said I want to direct and write a kids show for this cable access channel. So that's kind of how I started and learned. Yeah, and I think I, I've always wanted to be a director but just didn't know it. Um, I went to school and studied literature and just became an actress after working in a video store because I didn't, I didn't see any other avenue for me. Um, it's that whole thing like you can't be what you don't see. Um, and so it just took this long road of acting to arrive at like, oh, I need to be, I want to be behind the camera, you know. I, in a way, it's like, I miss like 10 years of like, you know, learning and progress that, but, and then it's like, I did learn a lot on these like indie film sets as an actor as well, so. And you guys are both in shorts for it? Did we do yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we, you have more screenings coming up? Yeah, we have one today at Yeah, nine. nine. And then Tuesday at three, maybe, 3.45, and then on Thursday, so. And Midnight Shorts, when are you showing again? Um, 25th, midnight, right? Monday. 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 Yeah. So if you guys get a chance, check them out. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Great Thanks. films. Thanks everybody for coming out.